Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Tonight, we are talking about nudity, and especially when it comes to our genitals, penis, scrotum, testicles, that kind of nudity, because this topic has been a source of confusion in the husband material community. Nudity can be so harmful and also so healing, and I've experienced both of those things in my life. I'm going to be sharing my own story quite vulnerably. And tonight we're going to answer two questions. Number one, when is nudity appropriate or inappropriate? Specifically, physical genital nudity. And then also, how can this kind of nudity be healing rather than harmful? Along the way, I will share some of my own experiences. And at the end, I will answer your questions. Let's start out with a question from me to you. How do you feel about genital nudity, specifically between men? Maybe for you, it's no big deal. Maybe you grew up where nakedness was normal, or maybe not. Many of you who are listening feel aroused by male nudity. Others of you feel terrified by it. Some of you feel aroused and terrified, which makes a lot of sense because fear and arousal are nearly synonymous when it comes to the human body. Others of you might enjoy it deeply. I have felt all of those things myself. And the time in my life when I experienced the most nudity was in college. At Wheaton College, in my freshman year, I was placed on a floor in my dormitory, which was known as the naked floor throughout the campus. This was the floor where guys get naked. I remember being in my college dorm room on one of my first days and seeing somebody walk across the hall with no clothes on. I thought that is so weird. I even thought it was weirder when people would use the toilet without shutting the door. They would take showers without closing the curtain. And in this context, nudity was no big deal in these communal bathrooms, in these showers. And my initial hesitation eventually gave way to interest, curiosity. And eventually I became the most naked person on the floor. The next year as a sophomore, when the freshman would be coming in, I was that guy walking down the hall naked. I was that guy having a shower party, uh, having to slip and slide across the floor. I was that guy who would even use the toilet with the door open. Why? Because through this experience in a culturally appropriate context, I learned to accept myself and accept my body and appreciate my own beauty in a way that I never had before. Growing up in purity culture, growing up where my parents avoided nakedness and 
we didn't talk about these things. I didn't really receive any kind of affirmation. And I actually thought I was quite unattractive and ugly, especially being so tall and skinny, something that I was bullied over, never having had a girlfriend in my life, always having been rejected. With these guys, I experienced acceptance. And in that way, the physical genital nudity that was part of my everyday life, my first two years of college, was normal. It was no big deal. I really did enjoy it. It wasn't arousing, really, or terrifying to me. Later, though, I realized that some aspects of it were harmful. Specifically, in my third year of college, I became an RA, meaning I was on staff and in charge of leading my floor, and I was transferred to a different floor, not the naked floor. And it was on that floor that, for the first time, I made friends who opened up to me about their same-sex attraction and how many of them didn't really feel safe or included with this hyped-up naked culture. Either they were terrified of it or aroused by it or both. And we just went on as if, hey, you got to be naked. And if you don't like it, that's your problem. It was not inclusive. In fact, it was exclusive. And looking back, I began to realize how certain members of the floor never participated, never even talked about nakedness. And how could it be that I never met a single person who opened up about same-sex attraction on the naked floor. And then I got off the naked floor and all of a sudden I have five different friends who are talking about it. Eventually I realized, you know, there needs to be a boundary. In fact, there need to be multiple boundaries around nakedness because it's not always safe. And I remember a specific shower party where someone touched me in a way that felt uncomfortable. It felt unsafe. And eventually, after I graduated college, I realized that some of my proclivities for nakedness were a little bit more than just healing. When I got into my own apartment, I realized that there was a, a rush of excitement and adrenaline that would go through my body while I would be walking in front of a window facing out toward the street without wearing any clothes on. And this was around the same time that I began to get curious about why, why do certain things arouse me? And eventually it hit me that part of the reason I was drawn to nakedness came from my own trauma. Some of you have already heard about the story about when I was a middle school boy and while playing a game of beach volleyball at summer camp, my own scrotum and penis was exposed. There was a huge hole in the crotch of my pants without me knowing it. And when I discovered it, I crumpled to the ground in shame and humiliation. What was happening there later on as I was aroused by this nudity is it was my turn to take pride in my body where I felt so ashamed, where I felt so humiliated. And I began to realize, oh my gosh, Underneath this arousal, there's a little boy who needs to be loved. And in fact, he needs to be clothed. 
And from that point on, I gained the self-respect to cover myself when walking even through my own house in a place where someone might see me. Where before it was arousing, now it had lost its power because I realized it was a reenactment of the past and an attempt at reversal. So that's a little bit technical. That's a little bit deep. But I've also had incredibly beautiful experiences of nudity. For example, at my bachelor party, before I got married, 18 of my friends took me to the edge of Lake Michigan on the sand dunes in Indiana. And at the end of a wonderful, memorable game of Ultimate Frisbee, we jumped into the 50-degree water of the lake, and I just took off my clothes spontaneously, and it was glorious. And some of my friends did too, and I will never forget that moment. It wasn't like we calculated and planned and thought, okay, we're going to do it this way, and here's our purpose for nudity. No, it was just natural. It was just normal. It was a part of life in a culturally appropriate context. So now I would like to teach a little bit about when is it appropriate and when it's not, particularly for men who are outgrowing pornography. And knowing that a large portion of you all who are listening to this are also experiencing same-sex attraction. When is it okay to be naked, first of all, with the opposite sex? I believe full physical genital nudity with the opposite sex is appropriate in marriage with a woman who you're married to and sometimes with family. For example, with my daughter who's four years old, our approach to that is beginning to change a little bit. And at the same time, we're always normalizing it. We're never bringing shame and humiliation into it. So with the opposite sex, nakedness is a wonderful, beautiful, good thing within marriage and sometimes family. Being naked with the same sex or the same gender is a little trickier. The appropriateness depends on a few things. Here are the three main points that I have identified as the most important things to consider when you're wondering, is this appropriate or not appropriate? Number one, environment. Number two, attraction. And number three, expectations and intentions. First of all, environment. The environment makes a huge difference. And before I say anything else, let me be very clear that sharing genital nudity in an online environment is never appropriate. It's never appropriate because it is creating the possibility for pornography. When we take pictures of our naked bodies or videos of our naked bodies, we create the possibility that it could be used pornographically. I've thought through all the options. I've thought through many, many scenarios, even between married people. And I still believe that taking pictures of your private parts is not okay. Now, maybe there are exceptions in the world of art or in 
different contexts, but I don't think any of them apply to us, especially for men who are outgrowing porn. If you're outgrowing porn, one of the things that you need to keep as a boundary is not to show or view nakedness online with the same sex, with the opposite sex. Now, when we are in person, a lot depends on the cultural context. You know, there are some places around the world where for women to show their breasts is not a big deal at all. It's just part of life. And there are other cultural contexts where for women to show their knees is scandalous. It's like for us in, in my culture in the United States, for a woman to show her knees is no big deal, but for her to show her breasts is a very big deal. We have to pay attention to the cultural nuances. And there are different cultures where nakedness can be a part of the culture. And I think there's value in joining a cultural environment where nudity is more acceptable. For example, in certain types of saunas or beaches around the world. For me, sand dunes of Lake Michigan with the men from my bachelor party and nobody else around was a perfect cultural context. At my bachelor party, it wasn't like our goal was to go get naked in Lake Michigan. No, the goal was to have a bachelor party and that was an aspect of it. Another aspect to consider about the environment is the size of the group. Because I think safety, when it comes to nudity, safety increases with the size of the group. So if it's just you and one other guy, that's going to be a higher risk than you and three other guys. Which leads me to my second point. Another aspect to consider is attraction. When it comes to nudity, it's important to consider attraction because I think nudity is much safer when you're in a group that includes men who are not same-sex attracted. Men who, for example, are mostly opposite sex attracted, which is me. I identify as an opposite sex attracted man. And I have a pretty good gut instinct of what's normal, what's not normal, what feels off. And a lot of guys who deal with same-sex attraction need a little bit of help in understanding what's okay, what's not okay. Um, and my understanding of the longings and desires behind being naked together is oftentimes it's not actually to objectify another man. It's just to become one of the guys. So actually it can be a more helpful experience if it's a bunch of straight guys. I think even if there's only one member of a group who's not same-sex attracted, that can be a helpful safety valve. In any case, when you're having experiences of nudity, beware of voyeurism and exhibitionism. Voyeurism involves looking at someone else in a lustful way, sexually objectifying them. Exhibitionism is flaunting my body, which is basically what I was doing when I was walking in front of my window, showing my naked body to the outside world. That's a form of exhibitionism. If you know someone who has struggled historically 
with voyeurism or exhibitionism, be aware of that. Talk about it. If you're gonna if you're gonna be in a context where you're gonna be naked with this person, maybe in a locker room or a sauna or swimming in Lake Michigan or in a hot tub, like you got to be aware of what their struggles are. And you also got to be aware that people might not always be honest about what their struggles are. And if something feels like it's edging on voyeurism or exhibitionism, either for you or for another guy who you're with, bring it up, engage conflict, and if necessary, remove yourself from the situation. The last thing that I want to say about deciding whether it's appropriate or inappropriate to be naked with other men is expectations and intentions. I don't know how this idea got started, but there are some people who have the idea that healthy male nudity can act as a cure for same-sex attraction or for attachment to pornography. And that's just not true. Nudity itself is not the cure. And I believe it should not be the focus. In healthy, normal, appropriate nudity, we're not adoring each other's penises. That's not part of it. It's just enjoying the experience of being together in an embodied way. It's simply affirming and approving of one another as entire people, not objectifying, not limiting one part of us, but becoming spiritually, emotionally, physically visible. It's about friendship. Friendship should be the focus, not nudity itself. Another guideline, nudity should never be forced and it should never feel forced. If you are feeling any kind of pressure from a group or from an individual, that is a warning sign. That is a red flag. Lastly, nudity should not be a secret. If someone's asking you to keep a secret or to keep a naked experience secret, that is part of an addictive cycle. That is often part of an abusive system. If it needs to be kept a secret, it's probably not appropriate. So as you're considering possible naked experiences with the opposite sex, remember to consider your environment, to consider the attractions of the individuals involved and the expectations and intentions that you're bringing into it. And by the way, I am not saying that if you're same-sex attracted, that means you cannot have a healthy experience of nudity. Not at all. What I'm saying is, if you are in a one-on-one scenario with another man and both of you have same-sex attraction, that is a setup, that is a high-risk situation, and you don't want to put yourself in that situation. You want to put yourself in a situation that will maximize both freedom and safety. That is how nudity can lead to healing rather than harm. When you can be in a safe place and know that you have some freedom, that you can be yourself, that you can just enjoy it. That's what we're going for here. What does it take for nudity to be healing rather than harmful? I did a little bit of reading on this at my recent silent retreat. I read a book called That Famous Fig Leaf by Chad W. Thompson. It's about uncovering the holiness of our bodies. And I love that. I love the way that he frames our bodies as holy. A lot of the book is really just 
biology and theology, just worshiping God for the amazing way that he created our bodies. He says, our bodies aren't perfect, but they are holy. He says, nothing that God created is the source of our human temptation. To the contrary, the human body is the crown of God's creation, consummated by his declaration that it was good. That God's people and the culture at large are unable to view the body without sinning is not an indictment of the body itself, but of the immaturity of the postmodern evangelical mind. Much of the book is addressing our attitudes towards our bodies. And it's very helpful in that regard. The part that I want to focus on is what Chad says about some of his personal experiences and how nudity has played a positive role in helping him heal, even from unwanted attachment to pornography. When Chad Thompson was using pornography, he said, I wasn't interested in watching sex acts. I just wanted to see what other males looked like naked. So I would know if I was normal. He didn't have some important developmental experiences as a kid. He also went through a little bit of abuse and shame that created this mixture of what is exotic becomes erotic. And for him, what became exotic is the male body. And so some of his experiences, specifically in locker rooms, helped him demystify that. It helped to desexualize nudity for him. He says, the male locker room is a place that only men can go. For guys who struggle with same gender attraction, and even for many who don't, the locker room shower symbolizes inclusion in and acceptance by one's gender. It is a rite of passage. Some of the words he uses to describe his experiences in the locker room are transparency, vulnerability, brotherhood, initiation, you belong here, and you are one of us. Interestingly, Thompson doesn't say that this happens by direct face-to-face contact in the locker room. It's rather just being in the same place, even just taking your own shower, doing your own thing, knowing that someone else is willing to be there with you and accept you, that they're not grossed out by you, that you're not a freak, that you're not a horrible person just for having a physical body. So some of these experiences help to disprove those lies for him. And he also quotes a book called A Bigger World Yet by Tim Timmerman, saying, you may wonder, how on earth can getting naked with another man be helpful? Wouldn't that just trigger the sexual desires all the more? Men who have difficulty seeing themselves as men need to learn to self-identify as being part of the brotherhood in often the most basic of contexts. Their bodies, that all men have the same equipment and they are an equal and the same as their gender mates. The nudity that has been healing to these men is far from erotic and is always in a brotherly context, free from sexual overtones. It is an inclusion of being one of the guys that this community of men has felt so estranged from. So let me be very clear here. Appropriate nudity is normal and good, just like sex. Way, way back in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, when it was just a man and a woman and God, they were naked and they were unashamed. There was freedom and there was safety. That is life on earth as it is in heaven. And to have an experience of being naked and unashamed in a context where there's freedom 
and safety. It's culturally appropriate. The environment is such that you can trust it. The people involved are guys you can trust. There's no pressure. There's no need to force it. And there's not the expectation that this is somehow going to cure you. This is not the focus. And it doesn't have to be a secret. In fact, it's best, I think, if it's a passing part of a much bigger experience. And I even saw this happen at the husband material treat where it didn't even have to involve genital nudity. That's another point I want to make. Total nudity is not necessary for this kind of healing experience. You can have it in a bathing suit. And I actually heard from guys at the husband material retreat that running into the Pacific Ocean together and swimming out to a buoy and pretending to be sharks biting each other under the water, wearing nothing but our bathing suits was incredibly freeing and for at least one of them was really deeply healing. His wife emailed me afterwards saying, I don't know what happened to my husband, but he's a changed man. And the the partial nudity of, of just being in bathing suits and enjoying being one of the guys out in the Pacific Ocean, overcoming a challenge because the water was cold and being together, being brothers. That was, I think, an experience of being partially naked and unashamed and equally as powerful as if there were no clothes. So it should feel normal to have this kind of experience. And you don't need to take off all your clothes either. And if you're not sure if it feels normal or not, and you're not sure if it's appropriate or not, please keep at least some of your clothes on. Interestingly, I have found that some of these powerful experiences of becoming visible, of being naked and unashamed, can actually happen online, not through physical genital nudity, but through emotional vulnerability. And I see this on a regular basis, every week actually, in our private small groups that we run at Husband Material. It is unbelievable to watch men open up about stories of childhood trauma, open up about their specific emotional triggers and sexual fantasies, and for the first time, sharing out loud with other human beings some of their deepest, darkest secrets and receiving the love of God in that moment is so, so healing. And it involves no physical genital nudity, but it's still that experience of being naked and unashamed because it's becoming emotionally and sexually and spiritually visible in an appropriate context. That can even happen online, guys, but please keep your clothes on when you're pursuing those kinds of experiences. And I absolutely love being a part of it. In fact, when I lead these groups, I go first and lead the way with vulnerability so that everybody else has the gift of going second and going third. That's how I lead. Vulnerability comes first. And that gives everybody else permission. Creates a safe environment where there can be freedom, where there can be nakedness without shame. And isn't that how God loves us? He loves us as we are with nothing to justify us beyond him. <laughs> he loves us completely naked. 
He can see every single part of us and he doesn't turn away. He's not disgusted. He doesn't avoid us. He's the father who actually runs after his son, pulling up his robes, risking his own nudity. Jesus is the one who became naked on the cross. Why? So that he can clothe us in his righteousness. There is such a rich biblical theology of nakedness. We went from naked and unashamed to ashamed and in a world full of sin. Jesus has come to take away our shame by going first in vulnerability, by becoming naked so that we may be clothed, so that we may be covered, so that we may be healed. And in fact, we even see a little preview of that in Genesis chapter 3 when God creates covering for Adam and Eve. He kills an animal to clothe them. That's what he does for us. And because we have that clothing, we don't have to be afraid to be seen. We can pursue healthy, appropriate healing experiences and avoid the harmful ones. That's what I'm hoping we do here in the husband material community. That's what we do in our private small groups. And it's an honor and a blessing to be a part of it. Appropriate nudity is normal and good. And it needs boundaries, just like sex. Sex is awesome. Sex is great. That doesn't mean you should go have sex with everyone. That doesn't mean that you can be loose. No. In fact, those boundaries are part of what create the experience of freedom. Without the boundaries, sex loses its blessing. And I think in the same way, when we can have appropriate experiences of nudity within marriage, sometimes in family, and with other men in safe contexts, God is glorified. He's the one who made our bodies and he loves them. Time for Q&A. First question comes from Jack asking, what is your opinion of a group of men getting together for platonic nudity? Say, for example, in a hot tub or just to sit around naked with each other. I've done that. It's great. Remember to check your expectations and intentions for this kind of interaction. And also, I think it really makes a difference to be aware of people's attractions. And especially for men who are outgrowing pornography, like you've had a problem with this, and especially if the type of porn that you've been attracted to is toward other men, and especially if you are specifically aroused by in-person experiences with other men when you're naked, you got to be self-aware about that. And you got to at least let other people know that that's something you're dealing with when going into that kind of experiences. Because remember, we want to maximize safety at the same time. Anonymous question. Even though I have gotten more comfortable being in locker rooms and spas, sometimes I still feel like my desire is not met because I have no connection or relationship to the men I am nude with in healthy ways. And this contributes to my SSA struggles. As much as I try to make friends with men that I meet in these settings, are there ways to have these conversations with friends? Yes, there are. Start with a pre-existing friendship, someone you trust, someone who is safe, and ideally someone who is 
not attracted to the same sex. It's going to require a lot of vulnerability for you to be open and honest with that person. I also think you should build trust and relationship and start there. Have spiritual and emotional visibility before you go to physical visibility. Another note, if you don't know someone at all, total stranger, even if it's someone in the husband material community, if that person is contacting you to ask, hey, would you like to go and meet me in person and have a healthy nudity experience? That is not safe. That is not safe because you don't know this person. And because nudity should not be the focus, remember that. And if this dude also experiences SSA, that's putting you in a really high-risk situation and it could lead in a direction you don't want to go. I highly recommend having these experiences with other men who you trust, who you know. And that requires vulnerability. It requires time. It requires friendship outside of nudity. And what I've heard from guys who have had really healthy experiences of nudity is that it usually happens outside of the little um, bubble of men who have the exact same experiences. It's very helpful when you can have uh, somebody who's just one of the guys with you, not in your special category of same-sex attraction or something like that. Question from Victor. Is there a way for someone who struggles with SSA to have healthy nudity with guys? Yes, especially if it's with someone who is opposite sex attracted, who knows about your same sex attraction, who is not intimidated by it, who loves you anyway, and who has some experience with healthy, appropriate nudity so that they can guide you through it. And by the way, guiding you through it does not mean like taking off your clothes. No, it just means, hey, you go in the locker room and you do what guys do in the locker room. You change in front of each other. I even had an experience with a guy who deals with SSA in a locker room where we were working out together And you know what? It was totally normal. We didn't even really talk about it until afterwards. And he said, hey, I I know that you you changed with me in there. And that was kind of significant for me. It's like, yeah, I was aware of it too. We changed in the same room. Wasn't sexual for him. Wasn't sexual for me. And I was paying attention to my gut the entire time. And if something felt off, if something felt weird, and if I began to get those warning signs of voyeurism or exhibitionism, then... I would have brought it up. I would have put my towel on. All of this needs to be done in context. So think about your cultural context. Think about where you are, who you're with, what are your expectations, what are your intentions, environment, attraction, and expectations and intentions all need to be considered in order for it to be a safe experience. And by the way, um, I think overly planning it can actually get in the way. It's best if it's just natural and spontaneous. For example, I went on a hike into Yosemite National Park with one of my best friends. We are both attracted to the opposite sex. We hiked about seven miles on a trail where we saw no other people. And at the end, we got to this pristine glacier-fed lake. At least it was fed by snow. It was so clear. It was so beautiful. There was no one around, just me and him. He asked me if I was taking off my clothes. 
And I said, it's the only way. <laughs> it's kind of funny because you're, you're hearing a little bit of college Drew in there. But it was totally normal. I got out on the edge of the rocks, made sure the water was deep enough, jumped in and totally enjoyed myself. And he did too. He had actually never skinny dipped before. And he loved it. Nothing erotic, nothing sexual about it. Now, if you were to have that kind of experience and it would be erotic and and sexualized for you, you might need different boundaries. Or you might need to have more men there in order to increase the level of safety rather than just a one-on-one scenario. All of these things need to be considered. Ultimately, that day was another glorious example of being naked and unashamed, just like my bachelor party. At the end of it, put on our clothes, hiked back. Scott says, I have been avoiding going to the Y, not because I don't want to be naked, but I have a hard time dealing with men who want something more from me, trying to touch me. Okay, the Y does not sound like a safe place for you. I totally support your decision of not going to the Y because that environment... Sounds unsafe. Sounds like there is some inappropriate nudity going on. Like boundaries are being violated. You're going to have to find a different environment. Anonymous question. What happens when your locker room experience was not a good experience and now you're having to navigate the shame of the naked body? This is really important because as you re-enter the locker room, so to speak, that can very easily be a trigger. A lot of us were shamed maybe specifically shamed for our penis size or our body weight in middle school locker rooms. I think the goal of healing is not to avoid these kinds of triggers, but rather to have a redemptive experience, which can ultimately lead to greater wholeness. You might not be ready to re-enter that locker room and, and drop the towel yet, but maybe you'd be ready to enter in a bathing suit with some trusted friends. It's always okay to take baby steps. There's no need to take off all your clothes at once, little by little. There's no pressure. Remember, if it feels forced, that's a warning sign. When there are multiple generations in a large group, that promotes safety rather than one-on-one secret hiding. You get the idea. David says, I've reckoned with my tendencies toward voyeurism and exhibitionism. My earliest trauma was being forcibly exposed repeatedly in front of family members at the hand of my father. My question is, at the Korean spa, it has had a number of gay men who are cruising. How to navigate the setting is my concern. I would appreciate any recommendations. I feel violated if I am oogled by someone, yet this seems to be the best alternative for spending time with friends. Man, my heart hurts for you. It is so not okay for you to be oogled by someone. In fact, I think that's a form of sexual abuse. It's it's a form of objectification, of violating boundaries. And and you don't even need to talk to someone or 
or verify what their intentions are to feel in your gut that this is not safe. When you're in those situations, I think it's absolutely vital to get out of there, cover yourself. Don't allow someone to treat you that way. And yet at the same time, it sounds like the Korean spa has been a place of healing. To me, what you're saying seems like a great example of how nudity can be harmful and healing. Know what your boundaries are, stick to them, and only engage as you feel safe. As soon as you don't feel safe, as soon as there's pressure, feeling forced or feeling objectified, don't allow people to treat you that way because it's not okay. An anonymous question saying, if I feel like this could be a really healthy thing for me to do as part of my healing, how do I go about having these conversations with trusted friends? <laughs> I think listening to this podcast, watching this video could be a great start. If you have a friend who you want to pursue this kind of experience with, have them listen to this. Have them watch this episode and get a sense of what I'm saying so that they can be clear about what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, what's harmful and what's healing. And then go work out together. Go to one of those saunas together. Allow the experience to unfold in a way that is culturally appropriate. This does not require you to focus on the other person's body or the other person's genitals. In fact, that can actually hinder the whole thing. What it does require is for you to be vulnerable and honest with the guys you're doing it with so that they know where you're coming from and so that they can keep themselves safe too. Lyle is asking the question, so if I want to see another male naked, is it always called voyeurism? Or could it be healing to see other males? Is it called voyeurism only if it's erotic? Voyeurism is looking at the naked body of another person with lustful intent, with the intention of using that person. So for example, you could be cruising on Google images, looking for someone who turns you on sexually. That's a form of voyeurism. I think in many ways, using pornography amounts to voyeurism. It comes down to intent. So if you want to see another male naked, ask the question, why? Be very clear about your intentions, about your expectations. Remember, this is not a cure for anything. What it can do is allow you to have a redemptive experience, vulnerability, brotherhood, initiation. You belong here. You're one of us. And that's a good thing. That's a beautiful thing. Nathan says, I canceled my gym membership because I couldn't follow the three guidelines you taught on. How do I safely be in locker rooms without white knuckling it the whole time? I love that question because in many ways, 
That is the whole purpose of why husband material exists, to allow you to experience freedom and healing without fighting the frustrating, exhausting battle against your sexuality. That's purity culture, white knuckling it, fighting the battle for purity, the military mindset, which I've talked about in other episodes. Ultimately, rather than fighting against our sexuality, what we do here at Husband Material and in Husband Material Academy is help you embrace your sexuality, even if you're a single person. The whole idea of outgrowing porn rather than simply avoiding it means that you're able to bless your desires. You're able to bless the boy within you, the part of you that never grew up, the part of us that tends to sexualize other people and that gets triggered and that fantasizes is not the mature adult part of us. It's, it's a young boy. It's the inner child. When we can learn to love that inner child and help him grow up into a sexually, emotionally, spiritually mature man of God, then you don't have to white knuckle it. I like to say that porn is a pacifier because have you ever seen a, a kid like try really, really hard to white knuckle it and fight against a pacifier? No, they just grow to the point that they drop it and they don't need it anymore. That is true freedom. That is true healing. That is what it looks like to outgrow porn. You understand what this pacifier was doing for you and you find a way to get that. That's deeply fulfilling. It's healthy. That's mature. Uh, without white knuckling it the whole time? Stop fighting the battle for purity and learn how to outgrow porn. That's what husband material is here to help you do. Ron says, as always, I really appreciate, do you believe that arousal from exhibitionism or thoughts and fantasies of exhibitionism can ever be healthy? For example, my wife and I have both gotten aroused by the idea of having sex in a semi-public place or an environment that is unconventional or somewhat taboo. When it comes to matters of sexual ethics. The wrong question is, how much can I get away with? How close can I get to the line without crossing it? Yes, that can be very arousing because uh, breaking the rules and and being naughty can, can have a very sexually arousing effect. The right question is, who am I becoming in this behavior? What is the result of this behavior on my relationship, on who I am, on, on other people? And how does that fit in with God's purposes? I think when we ask those questions, some of the details fall into place. If having sex in a semi-public place comes at the expense of others' comfort and safety, it is not holy or redemptive no matter how much it turns my wife and I on. Yeah, that does seem like a pretty good rule of thumb. Jay says, I've had a few good and healthy healing nudity experiences. How can I remember my experiences without dwelling on them? Loneliness can make me want to remember the experience, but that doesn't feel healthy like the actual experience. I've always felt blessed by the few healthy experiences I've had but they don't come often. What a great example. God gave us imaginations so that he could light them up with glory and beauty and truth. And just like the guidelines I gave for this, I think part of it comes back to 
intentions, expectations. What am I trying to get out of this by remembering them? Am I savoring the goodness of God and thanking him for it? Or is it coming from a place of self-pity? Is it coming from a place of envy? Is it coming from a place of depression? I try to check in with the person and sometimes we pray. Sometimes we laugh and talk about the memories together. What a great example of these memories leading you closer to God, leading you closer to your brother in Christ and ultimately resulting in worship. I think that's a great example. Thank you, Darren. Guys, thank you so much for being here. And if you have further thoughts or questions, please post them in the Husband Material community and we can continue the conversation. Always remember, you are God's beloved son and in you, he is well pleased. <laughs>